Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Alicia Lee, and I'm one of the lay pastors here at Lower Manhattan Community Church. Um, whether um, you've been calling LMCC your church home for years, or you are brand new and this is your very first service, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, because God's doing something new at this little church that he loves so much, and he wants you to be a part of it. Um, so I've got a couple of announcements today. Um, the first is about our vision meeting. Um, so we only have so much time here on Sunday mornings, and it's mostly about the now and the today. Let's worship together now. You know, what does the Lord have us uh, for us today, you know, through the message? Um, and so we don't have a lot of time to cover anything else. And so uh, I'm very excited to tell you that um, next Sunday, November 14th, right after our regular Sunday service, we're going to talk about everything else. We're going to talk about what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, who's doing it, right? It's almost the end of the year, so we'll talk about our 2021 financials, and we'll present our 2022 budget. So that's at our next vision meeting, which is coming up next Sunday, right after church. Um, the second announcement is equally as happy news, and that's on December 5th, we're having our next baby dedication. Um, so here at LMCC, we don't do baby baptisms, but we do baby dedications where as a church, we get around our babies and our parents, and we say a special blessing for them. And this is our first one since COVID, so your baby might be a toddler by now, or maybe even close to getting their driver's license, but that's okay. Email phil at lowermanhattanchurch.com, phil at lowermanhattanchurch, um, and he will tell you what it's all about. He'll help you to get involved. That's on December 5th. Um, so Logan's going to be bringing um, our message today, and it's the first in a three-part series called Rich Generosity, and you don't want to miss it. Um, but before Logan comes up, would you please stand as I read the scripture? Um, today's scripture reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of which, that which is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, come on. Good morning. Uh, my name is Logan. I am the lead pastor here at LMCC. I woke up this morning with a lot of gratitude, and not just for an extra hour of sleep. Thank you, Daylight Savings Time. But um, that this is the calling that God's put on my life, to be your pastor. Um, it's a gift, and it's a privilege. And uh, I need time, to, you know, occasionally just to step back and reflect and say, thank you, Jesus, that this is what you gave me to do with my life, and my hope and prayer is that you might uh, share in that gratitude of what God has asked you to do with your life. Um, this sermon series is something we do annually, 
Um, but I don't want it to be uh, rote for those of you who have been around for a long time, nor do I want it to be repulsive for those of you who are brand new as the church talks about money. And I think only God can really change our hearts on that. And so I want to start in prayer and invite you to pray with me. So let's pray together. Father, your word is life. That's what you tell us. It is breath to those who have our breath taken away. It is hope to those who find themselves hopeless and questioning. It is freedom to those who find themselves bound. And all of those things we need today. So speak your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so every year we gather around this topic, um, and so for those of you who are brand new, you're being invited into a story of miracles. You're being invited into the fact that this church was birthed out of generosity, generosity of individuals who came together to say we will radically give of our resources to see God's work established and grow. And every year, that community has said, how do we increase in our generosity? How do we increase in our giving? And that has been what we have uh, sought and run after. And the reason for that is we, because we believe this topic has everything to do with freedom. It's an issue of freedom more than anything else. And that's why in our mission statement, we really believe that God has called us to humbly and relentlessly pursue this idea of giving. So I, wanna, I want you to hear how we put it that we give freeing ourselves from the power we've given money over our lives and advancing God's kingdom through generosity. Freeing ourselves from the power that we've given money over our lives. So the scriptures are clear that money is a neutral reality, but when we lust after it, when we worship it, it becomes something that enslaves us. It is a terrible master, and we need to be set free. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6... I'm using the New King James Version. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is interpreted in another, in other translations as money. Mammon itself is the spirit of money. It is a being that is personified in the scriptures as something that speaks to you. Because that's what money does. Money speaks. That's why marketing speaks to try to get your money, right? There's money that is speaking to you lives of hope if you trust in it, of satisfaction if you seek it. And you can't serve two masters. And so Jesus invites you to serve God and to be freed from money. And in 1 Timothy 6, chapter 10, we hear that same kind of language, that the love of money is a root of many evils. Not the root of all evils, but it is a root of many evils. And we've seen that in our society, and most likely you've seen it in your life. It is something that in this topic produces the most anxiety. In many of marriages, it is the source of the greatest conflict that there is a root of all evils that comes from a love, an obsession, an infatuation of money. And the call of God is to channel that energy that you give towards money back to God, 
viewing money as this one more resource that we get to leverage for God and what he wants in our lives. Now, the second aspect of um, our, our mission statement on giving is that we had advanced God's kingdom through generosity. Last week on Mission Sunday, we celebrate that we seek to give liberally of our resources as a church. Because we're not just saying that God needs to free you. We believe God has to free us as a church, as an organization, that we would not find our trust in a large bank account, that we would not find our trust in the fact that giving happens every year and we can trust in it, but that we would depend on God to provide. And so we as a church choose to give away that money. You know, Jasmine highlighted that over the last handful of years, we've had the privilege to give away over a million dollars on average. That's incredible. But here's what I was reflecting on last week as I sat next to you, is um, God can do it with anybody. He doesn't need us to do that. If we weren't here, God would find another way to channel money that he gives to people into the things that he's passionate about. God doesn't need us. This isn't about LMCC and what we give and what we do. But the question is, will we miss out? Will we miss out by not participating in what God is doing? And that's what this giving series is all about. Will you as an individual, will we as a church miss out or will we see the miracle happen again? And what we're trying to do is to come before God and say, let that miracle happen again and let us once again go, I don't know how you're doing this, God, but I love being a part of it. And that's what we're after as a church. Now, talking about money inside the church brings up skepticism and questions because, as we said, love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and that is inside the church as well as outside. The churches... They typically make the news, the New York Post especially, they love a scandal, right? Churches have abused this message in the past. They've abused it inside of the lives of people. They've abused the use of money inside of that. And so what we seek to be as a church is someone that heals the pain caused by your previous church experiences. We all carry some hurt into this situation, right? We're just saying Jesus is calling. Why? Because we're carrying these wounds and hurts. Some of those are church wounds or religious wounds where you have seen abuse and it has caused you to reflect on Jesus differently. And so part of our vision meeting next week is that we believe calling you to radical generosity calls us to radical stewardship that we would be called to an effort to steward God's money, His resources given by His people towards his heart with passion. And so we analyze and fight and wrestle so that we try to be faithful with that. Again, we're not perfect, and you're welcome to question and call us back to faithfulness, but we seek to be radical stewards of God's radical generosity. And that's why we titled the series this time Rich Generosity. And by rich generosity, here's what I mean. I mean that God is rich in generosity... So we can be rich in generosity. That all we are attempting to do is to reflect who God is to the world, and he is rich in generosity, abundant. He overwhelmingly flows blessings onto every one of his created beings. He is rich in generosity. And so if we are going to be like God, we must be rich in generosity. 
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it kind of summarizes it by saying, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might become rich. Now today, I want to give you an overview of where we're headed over these next few weeks, and then I want to dig into the first topic. And God's given me three sentences that are going to be guiding this Rich Generosity series. Two are based on Scripture. One is based upon the voice of God, a.k.a. James Earl Jones. <laughs> and here are those statements. The first is that we believe God is calling us to give like no one else, so you will live like no one else. Give like no one else, so you will live like no one else. So Americans, the studies have shown, are the most generous of all countries. You know, that's good because we are by far the wealthiest of all countries. But on average, Americans give away around 2.1% of their annual income, their disposable income. Now, the scriptures call us to multiply that factor by a lot and to start by 10% of the income that we give. And what God is saying is his people are to be known as a people of absurd generosity compared to the world. Because if they give like no one else, they'll live like no one else. The second statement that we're going to unpack next week is that acceptable offerings receive rewards. This is a message throughout the entire scripture, a theme, that there is such thing as acceptable offerings as God sees it, and he loves to reward and bless acceptable offerings. And the third, the voice of James Earl Jones is, is heard in this speech in Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is a, is a movie with Kevin Costner about baseball. And it is about this crazy farmer in Iowa where there is no baseball, like professionally, who builds a baseball field in the middle of his crop. And his family thinks he's completely insane. You know, he keeps hearing this voice, if, if, they build it, if you build it, they will come. And he builds it, and his family is arguing he was a fool and he needs to sell his land. In this famous moment inside of the, the Field of Dreams, James Earl Jones, as a character who's a retired, uh, re retired baseball player, he looks out and he's, he's telling this guy, Ray, who's being told to sell it, he's not going to make any money on this, and, and he says to him, uh, they're going to come, Ray. They're going to come and they're going to look around and you're going to say, it's $20 for you to explore, and they're going to hand over the money easily. And he makes this statement. Because money they have, but peace they lack. And I, when I heard that statement, I just felt like God going, that's true of us. Money we have, but peace we lack. And we love to leverage money to get as much peace as possible. And what God is saying is, I have put that in your heart that you would leverage money to get peace. But let me show you how. Let me show you how that happens. And so today's message is titled Investment. And it is all about that first phrase, to give like no one else, so you will live like no one else. And in doing so, um, we're going to get uncomfortable today, <laughs> right? There's uncomfortable truths that the scriptures say about money. The first thing is that God does not condemn the rich. He doesn't condemn the rich. I think we're in a society that tends towards condemnation towards those who have wealth. Part of that, that he doesn't condemn the rich is that God actually makes people rich in the scriptures. Uh, 
He is the one that has, you know, all of the money, and then he distributes it. But God also says that true riches are not found in monetary wealth or possessions or status, but by trusting our riches to God. And that language of rich hits us hard because we don't want to associate with that. Because rich is always rich by comparison. Like, none of us feel rich compared to Elon Musk and Bezos. And, like, we're not that rich, right? But as American Christians, in our modern time, we are the wealthiest that have ever existed in our global reality. And there is an acceptance of the fact that you have been given abundance that we all need to kind of embrace. Now, let me say, if if you're struggling financially and that's not your story, that's why the church also exists, to be benevolent and to be assisting in that resource, but not just to give you resources, but to help you get back on your feet and strengthen you. So let me make that clear. It's not that God just loves to make people rich. He doesn't care about those who are poor. That's not true. But we have to face some uncomfortable truths about God's word on wealth. And so that's what I want to do as we look at investment. Now, when I say investment, give like no one else so you will live like no one else, what I want us to embrace is that investment is an act of faith that's typically based on a track record of fulfillment. So those who are successful investors, they're able to identify patterns of how money gets distributed or invested in the stock market or businesses in such a way that there will be a fulfillment on that return. It's a pure act of faith, because it could go up, it could go down. And what I also want you to embrace is that every one of your expenses is an investment. We're not just talking about the stock market and you somehow investing in cryptocurrency because you think it's going to take off, right? Dogecoin. Um, every expense that you make is an investment. When you go out to dinner, you are investing in the experience of a healthy meal, maybe healthy, but you're doing it so that you feel satisfied, that your taste buds get touched and enhanced, right? That you might have an experience in a certain restaurant. When you go on vacation, it is an investment in that hopes that you will get rest and put a great picture on Instagram that many people like and want to be jealous and be like you, right? That we are investing in these experiences that we would get a return. Every expense, even your rent, is hope that you would find a home in this city that it might cause you to experience all that this city has to offer. It's, it's, that's the heaviest investment, right? The rent. And the question is, what does God call you to invest in? What does he call you to invest in? As you look at your expenses, as you look at where you give your money, are you investing in what God calls you to invest in? And what God calls us to invest in is found in the very last verse that was read in 1 Timothy 6, verse 19, where he specifically says that he wants you to take hold of that which is truly life. He says to be generous so that you will take hold of that which is truly life. There is an investment you make with your generosity when you give it towards God's heart and towards his end, and that investment is in the true life that he has to offer. That word life in the Greek is the word zoe. Zoe is the same word that Jesus used when he says that I've come that they may have life and life abundantly. 
I want you to have eternal life. Any definition of salvation that the scriptures produce talk about a life that God intended for us to have forever, unhindered by sin and pain and disease. That is zoe. It is this absolute abundance that God longs for us to experience. And so when he says, be generous so that you might take hold of true life, there is a command in that. Invest in what God asks you to invest in. But there's also an invitation that when you invest in this, you get fulfillment on a return. And there is a track record with God that you can trust, that he loves to give you that which is truly life. Beyond what this earth says is true and good life. So invest in his true life. But when I use the phrase, give like no one else, so you live like no one else, I'm not talking about your giving first. I'm talking about God's giving. Because God gave like no one else, so you would live like no one else. It is God, as the scriptures say in 1 Timothy 6.17, who richly provides. He richly provides for us everything to enjoy. That language of richly provides is beautiful. That, the language of provision is one of up close and personal. That God is someone who is up close and in your business about the things that you want to be blessed with and have abundance of. And he says he does it richly. So it is up close and personal. It is abundant and it is consistent. Now, that idea of up-close-and-personal giving has kind of come to my attention this past week because of my kids. Uh, my kids have become sneakerheads. Um, I blame some of you in this audience for your amazing kicks, for causing them to have this thirst to have the best shoes. Now, when they were little and they said, well, we want new shoes, it was very easy. I just got to pick that, and it was no big deal. Now, when they say, well, I want new shoes, I'm like, great, I'll just order something. They're like, nope. <laughs> We need to go to this store, we need to go on Nike, and we need to be particular about these particular kicks because they're the ones that I want because I can't wait to show off those on Monday at school, right? Now, that challenges so many of my convictions. But because each of my kids is so unique, it's going with them to the store. It's going with them to the digital store now. And to be able to say, show me what you love. And let's figure out how dad might be able to find a way to fund your sneakerhead habit. It's up close and personal. And I think so much that if I'm like that, where in one minute I can say, I will never give you those shoes, and then go, actually, I love you enough that let's figure out a way. God is so much better. He's so intimately aware of what you're desperately longing for and after that he says, I will richly provide. I will get up close and personal with you. I will figure out what you're longing for and what you're after, and I can't wait to bless you with that. Can you think of right now what God has said individually, personally, I have richly provided? What has he said, this is what you love, and I gave it to you? Where is that gratitude gone, right? When you first got it, you were like, wow. And he says, remember again, that this is who I am. I richly provide. And I love that it says richly provide everything to enjoy. <laughs> to enjoy. He wants you to have 
peace and happiness and to have overwhelming joy in these things he's given you. It's not the possessions are evil, it's that we worship and trust in them, he says. He says, I give you these possessions, enjoy, have a good time in this home, have a good time in that Tesla, have a good time in the things that he's given you. Tesla's a prayer. But <laughs> he says, I've given you to enjoy. And so this conversation of possessions and wealth inside the church has tend to go in two ways, either lust after possessions and give to God because he'll come back with you or feel guilty about those possessions and in your guilt now give. <laughs> and God says, no, like I'm not giving to you out of guilt. I don't feel obligated to give to you my son and everything else that comes when you know him. No, I richly provide. I get to provide. I get to give to you. And I love when you get my gifts. See, when we grasp the rich provision of God, it begins to show us, wow, I've been given more than I could ever ask or imagine. Because God knows exactly what I need. And he comes alongside of me and he gives it richly. And so in response to his generosity, the only response is to go, wow, if he's that rich with me, how would I hold back with him? Would I not just turn and give it back to him? And that's the heart that God wants us to have. So an investment, it's to give like no one else, so you will live like no one else. It's to give like God gave, because he wanted you to live like God lives. Now the second aspect of this is generosity. So he goes on in this passage to talk about what the rich are supposed to do. And with generosity, it's that you give to God by offering your money and life to God's heart and God's people. That you offer your money and your life to God's heart and to God's people. That's the language of the scriptures. So let me look back at 1 Timothy um, chapter 6 with you again. 17 and 18. It says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Now that language of generosity, be generous, is this heart that is just compelled and ready to give in any way God asks. And that is the hope that God is after for you, is that your heart would be freed, that it would be easy to relinquish that money, that it's not like paying rent, where part of your soul becomes a horcrux as you die and send that in, but that you are so happy of what God has given to you that you're like, I'm willing and ready to be generous. Now that language of be generous is very broad. He doesn't go into the specificity, that's that word, in this passage. It's very liberal in its application that you would become a very generous individual in everything you do. But as it's liberal in applications and all the possibilities, the scriptures also come and are clear that there's a starting place with your generosity. That the way you become generous liberally is you start by giving to God. 
that from the very foundation of the scriptures before there were laws about it or instructions, there was this aspect of it is natural for me of everything I give to give back to God. And so what we're calling you to do is to give to God. And there's a few kind of uh, scriptures. There's some, some titles, some categories of giving that God puts in there. I'm going to spend a lot of time next week unpacking that. But I want to introduce them to you today. The first is the language of tithe. Tithe just means a tenth. And from the beginning, all of God's people that have been given God's things turn around and give him a tenth back. He says, you keep the 90, I'll take the 10. And if you were to have that deal in business, everyone would sign that immediately. But with God, we're like, why are you taxing me? It's not a tax. It's a tithe. But there's also language throughout church history of what's called a graduated tithe that you begin with a tithe, and then as your wealth increases, that you do a graduated tithe where you increase your giving alongside of God's increase in his giving to you. And then beyond that, there's the language of offerings, that God asks you to give beyond the tithe, that God says, keep giving in all these ways. And if you look throughout the Old Testament, there is a lot of offerings. There is a lot of asking from God. But if there's always a lot of asking from God, there's always a lot of giving from God. That whatever God asks of you, he provides for you. That is the beauty of a God who richly provides. And so in generosity, the call is to give to God, give to his heart, and give to his people. And so we as a church believe that looks like giving to God through the church. That you start by giving to God through the church. And it's not because we're a great philanthropic organization that then goes and gives to this. We're not asking you to give to us because we go and give to charity. We're not a good foundation in that, in that sense. We are, there are better foundations that do better work of giving than we could possibly do with the resources of staffing that we have, even though we seek to be faithful and honorable and great with our giving. It's that you give to God that your heart and your life would be His. That's what we want for you. And we genuinely believe that you become a greater generous person in everything you do when you begin with giving to God. And at the vision meeting and over these next few weeks, we are going to begin to outline exactly what that looks like. But I want to be clear about where we're headed so that I don't seek to just kind of give you, convince you, and then be like, and this is where you send it. This is just what God does throughout the scriptures and what he asks of each and every one of us is that we would invest in what he invests in. And he invests where his heart is passionate and he invests in his people's effort and their growth. And that's what he has asked us to invest in, to be most generous towards what God is most passionate about. That's what he's calling us to. And the last thing I want to end on today is, that, is the rewards. The rewards. <laughs> when I say rewards, I need you to see that the scriptures repeatedly say that giving gains the true life in God that we look for in everything else. This passage is beautiful in the fact that there is a connection with your generosity 
and the treasure that you get, the foundation and security, and the life that God offers you. And I say that we look for this life and everything else because there is a version of the good life that you and I are seeking. That there is a good life that has been offered to us. It may have been the good life our parents taught us. It may be the good life that your coworker is actually living. There is a good life that you're after. That you believe that if you obtain it, if you achieve it, life is great. This is what I was made to experience and be satisfied in. There's a good life and there's a kingdom life. And the question is, will you look for the kingdom life or will you settle for the good life? And let's be honest, the good life in this world, in this earth where we live, is pretty good. It's not bad. It seems to be pretty nice when I walk around this city, when I see your experiences on Instagram and lust after them myself. It seems like a good life. And there is goodness to it. I think God says yes and amen to a lot of the good life that we get to experience. But there's so much more in the kingdom life. You know, N.T. Wright, a theologian that I've come to really love and respect and trust, he has this quote about the kingdom that Jesus preached where he says, the kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, and absurd generosity. And when I look at the life that Jesus lived, it didn't mirror our good life. He says, I didn't have a a place to lay my head. I didn't have a great apartment or a home or this place that I ran back to all the time. But in the good kingdom life that we see him live, we see him have peace and joy, and relationships, and laughter. And we get to see these miracles happen over and over and over again. This kingdom life beyond the good life. And that's what we long for. Throughout the scriptures, when Jesus talks about money, he talks about the things we're looking for with money. He says, don't be anxious about what you wear. He says, don't you see the lilies? And if I clothe them as the most beautiful of flowers, though I would say maybe there's more beautiful. He says, why would I not clothe you with those same things? He says, what are you worried about eating? Do you not see the pigeons and the rats on the street as you walk by? If they have the provision of New York City, how would I not provide for you richly, right? These object lessons. Because he knows that when it comes to revision, you get anxious. You wonder if there's going to be enough. You wonder if there's going to be a raise or a bonus at the end of the year. You wonder if God's really interested in your career advancement and growing and that you having the money that you need. And in the kingdom, as you invest in that, you get more of the kingdom. See, that's what's real, is the more you invest in something, the more you get back from it. You know, they tell you to invest in your 401k. Why? Because of compounded interest over time. To invest in the stock market and let it ride because look at the, at the history. Eventually it's going to increase. Why? Compounding interest. Keep investing more and you'll be a greater return one day. That is a principle that also applies to the kingdom. That the more you invest in the kingdom, the more of the king you get in your life the more of his kingdom power, his kingdom peace, his kingdom joy you get. 
And it's not just that you invest time. Oh, I just give God more of my time through prayer and scripture reading. No, it's that if you invest in his kingdom financially, you will get more of his kingdom back to you. That is real because he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so when you start to invest in his kingdom, you seek after it. You run after it. You want more of it. And I see it played out in the smallest things of life. You know, right now, my son left because he went to play soccer. My other son's competing in the city championship for running. Now, what I see in their love of sports is the more they invest in it, the more they get out of it, and the more they enjoy it, and the more they want to do it. And I watch as they do this, and I see that principle applied to the kingdom. That the more I give to it with everything I am, the more I get out of it, the more I want the more I want to spend more of my energy and effort in my entire life giving to that. That's why when we talk about generosity, we're saying give to God for, his, for your money and your life. He's clear that if he doesn't have your money, he doesn't really have your life. But if he has your life, he says you'll get to have my life. That's the beauty. He gave his life that you would have the full abundant life that he has to offer. That's why as we start and we talk about investment today, the challenge is that you would give like no one else. So that you would live like no one else. Because God gave like no one else. So that you would live like no one else. Let's pray. God, we are... We're grateful, even in the midst of our guilt, <laughs> that you have given like no one else. There is no other God like you. There was no other human like you, Jesus. And even when it seemed like you had nothing, God richly provided so that you could be generous. And so, Spirit, I just asked today that you might show how richly you have provided for each of us, how richly you have given. And I, begin, I just asked you, begin this work of breaking up hardness of heart, resistance, skepticism, God, that we might open our hearts to receive more of your generosity, yes, also to become more generous like you. We declare there's no one like you, Jesus, and that's why we want to be like you most. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.